Good morning. All right, just make sure everyone's up here. Okay. Good morning to everyone here in person and those watching online. Thank you so much for connecting with us. Now, I have an announcement to make that I was supposed to actually make a little bit later on, but I was too excited. So I had to say it this morning. But it wasn't for supposed to be for this morning. So, uh, you know, we're going to be celebrating Lent this year. Lent is 40 days from Ash Wednesday, which is coming up in a few weeks' time, all the way to Easter Sunday. And what we have for you is a scratch-off poster. How cool is that? Right? Now, this is a scratch-off poster. It says, Eyes on Jesus. So every day for 40 days during Lent, you can scratch off one of the circles, and it talks about one aspect about Jesus. And we're going to have a little booklet to go along with this as well for some action steps uh, for you to do. And you can do this with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your siblings, with whoever, or by yourself. Uh, and we just want you to be able to be engaged throughout the 40 days during Lent leading up into Easter uh, and be able to discover a little bit about Jesus in a deeper and a fuller way. And you get the fun of, you know, scratching off. The only temptation, let me just say ahead of time, is that the booklet, if you flip a few pages ahead, you're going to see what it is ahead of time. So you have to restrain yourself with the booklet. Don't go ahead of yourself so that you can scratch off each day. Uh, these are not ready right now. Again, I jumped the gun here, okay? So it'll be ready in a couple of weeks' time for you to pick up. And if you're watching online, you can come and pick it up from the church office or Sunday after the service, uh, no problem. And, but we want uh, everyone to be engaged during the season of Lent and keep our eyes on Jesus as we focus on him. So I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but it was just, ah, it was just overflowing for me that I needed to say something about it today, okay? Um, this month, as you saw in our announcements, is Black History Month as well, and so we're going to be highlighting a few different things throughout the, throughout the month. Also, uh, Daily Bread, I know many of you are engaged uh, reading the Daily Bread uh, because we get them here, and the Daily Bread has put out something called On the Shoulders of Giants, 28 Reflections on Faith Through Black History. Uh, so we have these out uh, in the lobby, and if you would like to pick up one uh, and just read it through uh, the month of February, uh, you can engage a little bit more uh, about black history and faith. I want to tell you a story uh, of a man named Samuel Morris. Samuel Morris was born in 1873 as Prince Kabu uh, in a Liberian village in West Africa. Uh, he, his tribe lost a battle to another tribe, and Kabu was taken uh, as a captive, and they asked for ransom. Um, for his, um, from the other tribe and his father, he was the prince, so his father was the chief and the father had to try to pay the ransom unsuccessfully, unfortunately. In the meantime, Kabu was beaten and he was abused. And during one of these beatings, he saw a bright light from heaven and heard a voice telling him to flee. And so he ran and he fled into the jungle um, and eventually he made his way to uh, Monrovia. And as a, a young boy in the city where he ended up in, invited him to church, and he heard, now there's a lot more details to the story, I'm just condensing it here. He heard the story of the Apostle Paul and how on the road to Damascus he saw a bright light and Jesus appearing to him. And he said, hey, that's what happened to me. And he heard more about Christ and he accepted Christ as his savior. He spent the next couple of years painting houses and working there, and he had a tremendous zeal to draw closer to Jesus. And one day somebody read to him from John 14, and he heard about the Holy Spirit, and this great desire to learn more about the Holy Spirit filled his heart and his life. And so he would spend many hours a day praying, and he developed this beautiful prayer life, this beautiful intimacy with the Father. Uh, and his life of prayer really inspired others as well. But he really wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit, and so he asked uh, the, this one lady who was at the church uh, more about the Holy Spirit, and she said, well, the person I know that knows the most about the Holy Spirit is my mentor back in, in New York. His name is Stephen Merritt. And so... Cabo decided right there when uh, actually he had taken baptism and he changed his name to Samuel Morris. You might have heard of him, his name, Samuel Morris. And so um, Samuel Morris, he said right then and there, I'm going to go to New York 
right? No, no funds, no money that he had, no means or anything like that. But he decided, I'm going to go to New York to meet Stephen Merritt because I want to know more about the Holy Spirit. That was his whole goal. I need to know more about the Holy Spirit. Let me go all the way to New York from Africa. No money, no means, no resources, nothing. He made his way to a harbor city and he was able, and he waited around there. He tried his best to get onto a a boat. Finally, uh, one boat accepted him in, in trade for work. So he would work on the boat. When he got on the boat, they gave him the worst jobs, the most difficult jobs. They beat him. But Samuel Morris, he endured those beatings with patience and forgiveness. The life of Christ and the Spirit of God was just overflowing in him. Although he wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit, what he didn't realize was that the Holy Spirit was already filling him and overflowing him. The Holy Spirit was doing something amazing in his life that others were seeing that he himself wasn't really noticing. He just wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, it was a five-month journey on this boat from Africa to New York, right? These people treated him so badly, but he showed them love. He showed them grace. By the time they got to New York five months later, the captain and most of the crew had become Christians because of Samuel Morris's witness and testimony. When he got there, he, he went and he found Stephen Merritt. The day that he, he met Stephen Merritt and uh, Stephen Merritt said, okay, just, I have a, another meeting to go to, just wait here and I'll come back. By the time Stephen Merritt came back to the mission station where he was, Samuel Morris was there, 17 people around him, po- prostrate on the ground, repenting and crying and turning to Jesus. This is the type of person that he was because the Spirit was just overflowing in his life. He wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was already filling him and overflowing him and working in his life, doing amazing and beautiful things in him. And so they even started, uh, Stephen Merritt actually uh, allowed him to live with him. Now at that time, because of racism, because of segregation, because of everything that was going on there, this is... um, uh, 1800s, early 1900s, uh, that, around that time, um, there was so much racism that was going on. For Stephen Merritt even to do this was exceptional. For him to even accept Samuel Morris and allow him to live with him. And on top of that, they even started a fund for him to be able to go to university and study at a Bible college. And he would go and he would preach in various uh, churches there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he would go and preach and the Spirit of God would just fall down on those services. People would run to the altar in repentance and crying and turning to Jesus. Wherever he would go, the Spirit was just all over him working in wonderful and amazing ways. And, and the Lord just granted a revival through that city, through Samuel Morris and what he was doing. And so many people turned to Jesus. Unfortunately, because of the cold climate in Indiana at that time, he caught pneumonia, became sick, and he passed away at the young age of 20 years old. But had done so much for Jesus because of the Holy Spirit filling him and overflowing in him. He wanted to come all the way to America just to learn and know about the Holy Spirit. What he didn't realize was the Holy Spirit was already at work in his life in wonderful and amazing ways. His heart was to study at a Bible college and go back to Africa to share the gospel with his people again. And through his death, it inspired many of his classmates to take up the cause and be missionaries and take the gospel back to Africa as well. All because this one young man hungered and thirsted for the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you right now and we ask you to speak to us, to enlighten our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you in, into our house, into our church, into this place, which is your church. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just come down in each house who's watching the service online. Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill us and overflow us and do something new and wonderful and transformational in our lives, in our family, and in our church. And so we surrender to you and ask that you would speak to us and that you would transform us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We're beginning this series on the Holy Spirit, and today I'm going to share a lot of verses today. I might not read all of them. I'll just show them on the screen. Please feel free to, if you're watching online, you can go online to the notes section. If you're here in person, you can also use your phone or whatever and go to the notes section on our website, or you can look at it afterwards as well uh, to look at some of those verses because I might go through some of them pretty quickly. 
Um, but we're, we want to look at the Holy Spirit and get a, a really a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is today, and also look at his work in the Old Testament and his work in the New Testament in the couple of weeks to come. Then Pastor Kathy's going to come in in a few weeks' time, and she's going to talk about a, a Spirit-empowered lifestyle. How do we live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and live a Spirit-empowered lifestyle? So I'm really looking forward to this series and what the Lord has to speak to us and what the Lord wants to do in his church here at UAC in the weeks to come. Now, some people stay away from, from the Holy Spirit because they're afraid of maybe some religious extremes. Uh, some people stay away from the Holy Spirit because they are staying more on a theological or intellectual box. But what I want us to be able to do is to understand the things of the Spirit in, a, in an intellectual and theological way, but also in a very experiential way as well, because the Holy Spirit is a person who wants to live inside of us and work in us. I hope through this series that in our personal lives and, and corporately as a church as well, we will be able to see both the theological and experiential aspects of the Holy Spirit and be able to have him work and live in our lives. I've titled the series, The Empowering Holy Spirit, because if there's anything that I want you to take away from this whole series is that, is that the Holy Spirit is here to empower us and to fill us. It's winter time, a lot of us are wearing gloves. If you take my glove here, by itself, my glove is weak, right? This can be us, right? By ourselves. And if I say my hand is the Holy Spirit, when my hand or the Holy Spirit fills our life, then what happens? Then he empowers us and he strengthens us and he helps us to fulfill the will of God in our lives. And that's my desire for all of us as well, that we would be empowered by the Spirit in these weeks and in our lives on a daily basis as well. So today's a little bit of an introduction, looking at some of the theology about the Holy Spirit uh, as well. So uh, just going to go through, through, through seven things. I, I've sort of tried to narrow it down here for this morning to talk a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is. So number one, He is God, okay? The Holy Spirit is God. He is, a, uh, he is a person. And we need to equate the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. Uh, we're going to be celebrating communion today. Uh, and before we do that, we're going to recite the Nicene Creed. And part of the Nicene Creed talks about the Trinity and talks about the role of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you're in a life group, uh, you can see the Nicene Creed as well in the life group questions. Uh, or if you want to pick it up outside or download it from our website, you can as well. Um, but the Holy Spirit, he's God. Now, the Holy Spirit is eternal as well. And you can see from this verse in Hebrews how it's the power of the eternal spirit. So there's no beginning or no end. This is a, a, a point for us to understand why he is God is because he is eternal. There's no beginning to the Holy Spirit. There's no end. This is a characteristic of God and God alone. Okay. He is also omnipresent. Omnipresent means that he is everywhere at all times. So the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit is here right now with us. Isn't that amazing? But the Holy Spirit is also with you watching online in your home right now. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is at all places, at all times. We can't escape, as the psalmist says here in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? Well, you can't because he's everywhere, right? Now, the Holy Spirit is also omnipotent, which means, or, or omnipotent, which means that he is all-powerful. There's nothing too hard for the Holy Spirit, right? He's able to do anything. And the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is, did you know that the Holy Spirit was the power that raised up Jesus from the dead? That's amazing. I'm already excited for Easter. I'm, I can't wait, right, for Easter, because we get to celebrate the resurrection of, uh, of Jesus, right? And it's the, the power of the Holy Spirit that actually raised Jesus from the dead. He is all-powerful. Death is not out of his reach, right? Nothing is too hard for the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's, he's omnipotent. He's also omniscient, meaning that he knows everything. There's nothing hid from the Holy Spirit. He knows everything, right? Um, it, that God can reveal things to us by the Spirit because he sees all and he knows all, right? He, there's, there's nothing that's unknown to the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit was also involved in creation. As we read in Genesis chapter 1, we read how the, the earth was without form and it was empty and darkness was uh, covered the waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the Holy Spirit was there right from the beginning of creation. He was part of the, the Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, Father, Word, and Holy Spirit that was working even at creation. This all goes to the point of that the Holy Spirit is God. In Job, Job says this, he says, for the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And so it's, it's the Holy Spirit that gives life. He's a life giver, which we'll see when we see some verses in the New Testament. Aside from all of these things, another aspect to prove and show that the Holy Spirit is God is that he is the inspirer of the scriptures. He inspired people to write the Bible. That's an act of God. Right? Because the Bible is, the Holy Scriptures is the, the Word of God. And so he inspired people to write Scriptures, and it shows to us, again, another point that he is God. Number two, the Holy Spirit fills and empowers people. And what I'd like to look at just very briefly this morning, and I'm going to dig deeper into it in the next two weeks as well, because next week we're going to study the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the week after the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. But what I want us to understand is the difference between the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit working in the New Testament. And if I can briefly sum it up like this, this is the distinction. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain people for a specific purpose, at a specific time, for a specific reason. Okay? And that's it. In the New Testament, the blessing that we have, because Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and abides with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. In the Old Testament, it was for a specific purpose, a specific reason. The Holy Spirit came down, I have to do this, and he does it. In the New Testament time, in, in the church age time, the Holy Spirit lives within us, and he abides within us, and he's with us forever. Now, both of them are empowering experiences. Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, both situations are empowering situations. The Holy Spirit comes upon someone and empowers them. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with people in this New Testament age and empowers us for life and ministry. Here are some examples in the Old Testament, and again, we'll dig into a little bit more next week. But we read about... Um, Bezalel, he was gifted to craft things in the tabernacle. He was a worker of, uh, of fine arts or, or of, of carpentry and, and brass and gold and all of these things. The, it says here, the spirit of, the, of God filled him and gave him great wisdom and ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts because the Lord wanted him to make things for the tabernacle. And so he was empowered by the spirit for that specific reason. King Saul, as well, we read about him, that the Spirit of God came upon King Saul. It says here in this verse, Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? What's going on here? How is Saul prophesying? Well, it's because the Spirit came upon him. Right? The Spirit came upon him for a certain reason, a specific reason, at a specific time, for a specific purpose. That's what he did in the Old Testament as he came upon certain people. If you, if you look at Gideon as well in Judges 6, it talks about how the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites uh, to follow him. And so God's Spirit empowered Gideon for a specific reason, specific purpose that God wanted Gideon to accomplish. And we read about this in various situations in the Old Testament. God's Spirit came upon Moses and Joseph and Joshua and Samson and uh, Othniel the judge, David and Solomon and Daniel, uh, upon Old Testament priests and prophets and kings you see the Spirit of God coming upon them at a certain time for a certain reason, for a certain purpose to empower them for what they needed to accomplish at that time. Even in the New Testament, before the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Spirit of God came upon people in a similar way for a specific purpose, for a spe at a specific time, for a specific reason. Look at John the Baptist. The Spirit of God came upon him to accomplish the will of God in his life. Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, was filled with the Spirit and prophesied about uh, John. Zachariah, John's father, did the same thing. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was empowered by the Spirit 
to bring forth Jesus as the son of God. In Luke 1, it says, the angel replied, because Mary's asking the angel, hold on, you're telling me that I'm going to have a son? How is this possible for me to have a son? The angel replies and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. It was the Spirit of God that came upon Mary, empowered her, and formed Jesus within her. The beautiful part of living in this time of the New Testament, post-death and resurrection of Jesus, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us just for a specific time, for a specific purpose, for a specific reason to do a specific thing, but the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and abides with us. That's the promise that Jesus gave in, in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, right? We'll look at this word a little bit later on, but it's speaking of the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus was talking about this, this situation later on when the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out in the New Testament time and the Holy Spirit was going to live and abide with the disciples and the followers of Jesus. He told the, the apostles specifically before he went up into heaven after his resurrection, Jesus told the apostles, he said, wait in Jerusalem till you're filled with power from on high, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the beautiful thing of living in this time is that we have the sweet wonderful abiding presence of the spirit living in us within us abiding us abiding in us empowering us and helping us as we go forward in acts 1 verse 8 it says but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth this, from this verse is really where I get the title and really the emphasis of, of the majority of the series is about empowerment because it says here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God wants to fill all of us with his spirit and God wants to empower us. We need a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time with the Lord to be filled with his spirit on a daily basis to be empowered for what? to be his witnesses, right? It's the empowerment of the spirit that makes the difference in our lives. What transformed the apostles on the day of Pentecost? What changed Peter? Peter went from a flaky disciple who denied Jesus three times to a bold preacher of the gospel on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people turned to Jesus because Peter preached boldly the gospel. What empowered them to do the signs and wonders? It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit coming down, dwelling in them, within them, that changed Peter from a flaky disciple to the leader of the crew, boldly speaking um, uh, uh, about Jesus, not worrying what would happen to him. Just, you know, a, a little, a, a few weeks before that, Peter was denying Jesus. A few weeks later on, after J Peter is filled with the Spirit and he's empowered to be, to witness of uh, to be a witness of Jesus, Peter's willing to be beaten. Peter's willing to suffer. Peter's thrown into the prison, and what is he doing? He's sleeping. Who sleeps when you're in prison and you're falsely accused, knowing that the next day you're supposed to be killed? Peter is sleeping. Now, you know, Jesus sends somebody, his, the angel there, and he sets Peter free. But Peter is just resting content. What changed in Peter's life? Well, he was empowered by the Spirit. It's the same thing that happened to Jesus in Luke 4. This is actually Jesus quoting verses from Isaiah 61. And Jesus says this. He comes into the, to the synagogue. He opens up the scroll and he reads these verses. And at the end, he says, now these verses are fulfilled, right? It's, he's reading actually from the scroll in Isaiah 61. Um, and, he's, and it says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, empowered me, filled me, right? To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Friends, this is our responsibility now as well. As the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us, Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. 
What does that mean to be his witnesses? Well, he empowers our speech to be able to boldly declare the gospel. That's what he did for the disciples. He empowers our witness so that he sanctifies us and cleanses us so that we can show love to others and others might see the beauty of Jesus in us, just like Samuel Morris, just like Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He transforms us and changes us through the power of the Spirit so that we can be his witnesses throughout the world. This is what God has called us to do. Now, now we make it a little bit easier with Alpha and say, hey, bring somebody to Alpha, you know, and we'll, we'll do this together. But actually, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us and give us the words to speak so that we can speak the word of God boldly to others and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family, with, with everyone that we come in contact with. This is part of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk a little, a little bit more about this when we get to the New Testament time. But we need to be continually filled and empowered by the Spirit, right? And, and, and we need the, the Holy Spirit to come and transform us and change us. In Acts 4, verse, uh, verse 31, it says, after this prayer, this is, so they had a, a prayer meeting, uh, the, the early church, they gathered together, they had a prayer meeting, and see what happens. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness, right? It doesn't say that, oh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they went home all nice and content and peaceful. Oh, thank you that Jesus is with me. No. They were filled with the Spirit, and then they preached the Word of God boldly. It's not talking about here, you know, Unionville, Alliance Church, Daniel standing up here and, and preaching the Word of God. It's talking about the, the evangelism aspect, this, this idea of speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ, speaking the good news of Jesus to all those that we come in contact with. That's what the Holy Spirit helps us to do. And, and if we're struggling with that, hey, the Holy Spirit wants to fill us and empower us for that. Number three, he was promised by the Father and Jesus. Now, this is significant because it shows the unity from the beginning till the end, and it shows that God is true to his word, right? The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, and he has a specific role within the Trinity as well, within this Trinity of God. It wasn't just a, a last-minute plan to say, okay, you know, we better send the Holy Spirit because, you know, things are getting bad down there. Let's send the Holy Spirit to go and, and fix things up. No, this was in the very heart of God from the very beginning because each person within the Trinity has a role uh, to play. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, again, after the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit was poured out, Peter gets up there. Peter the theologian now, right? Peter the fisherman who didn't know anything and was denying the Lord. Now Peter the theologian, empowered by the Spirit, he stands up there and says, hey, do you know what? What you've seen in the Holy Spirit being poured out, what you've seen in the Spirit of God coming and filling and overflowing people right now, what you have seen with your own eyes, do you know Joel? prophesied about this long time ago and he quotes from Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 right he says this is what the, uh, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit upon all people that's you and me if you didn't know your sons and your daughters will prophesy that's you and me in case you didn't know your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. That's you and me, in case you didn't know. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. We'll talk a little bit more about this, about the, the prophethood of all believers uh, next week. But the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out into our lives and empower us for life and ministry. It's not just about the personal sanctification that the Holy Spirit does in our life, but it's about the ministry that he calls us to do. It's about the service that he's calling us to do, and he empowers us to do it. He doesn't just push us out and leave us alone. He empowers us by his Spirit to fulfill what he's calling us to do. And, and sometimes it's like Peter. You know, you're walking out on the water, and you're like, how am I going to do this? Well, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. The Holy Spirit is there to empower us, 
right? Sometimes we can get very comfortable within our own comfort zone and, and not want to step out of the box, not want to do something that we're not maybe comfortable with. Well, let me tell you, if we stay within our own comfort zone, we will never experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that will help us to do things that we are not comfortable doing. Do you think that Peter, when he signed up right at the beginning, when Jesus said, come and follow me, do you think Peter knew what he was going to do post-Pentecost? Probably not. And if Jesus told him what he was going to do post-Pentecost, he probably would have said, forget this. Well, he did say forget this at the beginning as well, too, because he was a little bit scared. But the empowerment of the Spirit helps us to do things that we wouldn't naturally do. The Holy Spirit is a supernatural spirit that fills us and empowers us to go forth and live the life God is calling us to live and minister in the way God is calling us to minister to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Now, Jesus also promised the Holy Spirit. John 14, 20, 26 talks about how Jesus said, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things. So Jesus is promising that the Holy Spirit will come. John 16, similarly, he says, he, talk, he says, look, I need to go to the Father because if I don't go to the Father, I can't send the Holy Spirit. So these things have to happen. I need to die. I need to rise again. I need to uh, go to heaven. And when I go to heaven, then I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. And, and that's why we see this difference in, this, in the New Testament time of the Holy Spirit filling us and empowering us, dwelling within us forever. Number four, he leads us into all truth. This is really significant, especially in, a world, in the world that we live in today, full of division, discord, and disinformation. We're living in a society that is actually longing for truth, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak truth to us. And that's why we have to learn to listen to the Spirit. We have to learn to be able to, to understand what the Spirit is speaking to us. In John 16, Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures, which is truth. It's the Holy Spirit who spoke prophetically through the prophets of old, speaking truth. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals truth to us right now, even if we don't like it. The beauty uh, is that he speaks truth, and it can be hard, but it'll be good for us. But the beauty of it is that he's also the comforter and the encourager, which we'll see in a moment, right? But in John 16, Jesus says clearly, he says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes... He's going to do what? He will? What is, that, what is that word? We don't like that word, right? Convict? Oh, don't like that. But it says here he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. See, the Holy Spirit will bring truth to us. He will speak clearly to us. He will convict us of what we're doing wrong. He will bring truth to us, Right? Has any of you ever experienced that before? You do something and you feel convicted. It's the Holy Spirit speak. Oh, I shouldn't have done. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I need to go and apologize for that. Right? He's the one that does this in us. He speaks truth. Now, it's not just all about sin, but he speaks the truth about God's love as well. Romans 5, verse 5 talks about how the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in our hearts. And this is so important because conviction without love doesn't work well together. Conviction without love is probably just going to end up as condemnation. And love without conviction is probably not going to get us anywhere either. But having conviction with love working together, Jesus came full of grace and truth, right? Having both of them work together is really important. And that's why the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God. So as the Holy Spirit is convicting us, he's loving us. As he's speaking some hard things to us, he's comforting and encouraging us. That's why he's known as the comforter, right? We'll see that in a moment. As the Holy Spirit is pointing out things that are wrong in our life, he's also filling us with the Father's love to help us to keep pressing forward. We are all sinners in need of the Lord. In Romans 8, he, it's, uh, Paul says here, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. See, we have to realize that we all have a sinful nature that causes us to do wrong. Just because it's something within us doesn't mean that it's true and right. No, there's a sinful nature within us that actually causes us to do wrong. And Paul says here that you need to put that to death. And how do you do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We live in a society and a culture now that says, well, if I feel it, it must be true, and that's my truth, and that's what I'm going to live by. No, it isn't. Because here, Paul clearly says that within us, there's a sinful nature. And he says, for if you live by its dictates, if you follow what your sinful nature is telling you, instead of following what the spirit of truth is convicting you and telling you about, right? If you follow that, then you're actually, it's going to end in destruction. But if we live through the power of the spirit and put to death the deeds of our sinful nature, then we will actually live. The Holy Spirit is the life giver and he gives life. He wants us to experience true life. And it says here, for all that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. See, this is the aspect of the Holy Spirit as the truth teller. And sometimes we don't like to hear the truth because it goes against us. It goes against our desires. It goes against our wishes. It goes against our wants. It goes against our ambitions. It goes against what we, what we wish could happen. But it's the, the Holy Spirit that's the truth teller that speaks and convicts with love. Right? In 1 John, John says it a little bit more clearly here. He says, but you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is within us. He's the, the truth teller. He's the teacher. He is the instructor. As we learn to yield more and more to the Spirit of God, as we learn to, to, to crucify or, or put to death our sinful nature and allow the Spirit of God to live within us and dictate what is true and tell us what is true, then, then we really have life and we remain in fellowship with Christ. Number five, he comforts, encourages, and helps us. That word that we saw in a few other, uh, other verses, advocate, the Greek word for advocate is uh, paraclete, which is translated in other translations as advocate, comforter, helper, counselor. Th these are all the, 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 the operations of the Holy Spirit in our life, to, to advocate for us in prayer, to comfort us, to help us, to be our counselor, the truth teller, right? This is the role of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, in John 15, it says, verse 26, but I will send you the advocate, or I will send you the helper, I will send you the comforter, I will send you the counselor, it's the, that word paraclete, the spirit of truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. So he is the comforter, he is the encourager, he is the source of our hope. In good times and in bad times, it's the empowerment of the Spirit, it's the, the Holy Spirit filling us that gives us hope. Paul talks about this in Romans 15, where he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. How? Through the power or through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit empowers us, as he fills us, we will overflow with confident hope. Anyone here need some confident hope? Right? Maybe just some regular hope? We're living in a world today that, you know, a lot of people are living hopeless. But not only does what God want to, the Holy Spirit want to give us hope, but he wants to give us confident hope in God. In our time of need, the abiding presence of the Spirit is there to encourage us and strengthen us. It's the supernatural presence of God that is our help in time of need that causes us to see beyond ourselves, to see beyond our situation, and hope in the supernatural, hope in God who lives outside of our space and time, but is intimately involved in our life and is in control of every situation because he's the sovereign Lord. And so we put our trust and our hope in God as we are empowered by the Spirit. People like Samson and, and Gideon, they had it for a time for their specific situation, for their specific problem, for their specific role that they had to fill that God was calling them to do. You, you read about Samson at times. The, the Spirit of God came upon him and he, and he tore a line. The Spirit of God came upon him and he pushed the pillars. The Spirit of God came upon Samson and he did this and that. Well, the Spirit of God came upon him at a certain time for a certain situation, for a certain circumstance. <laughs> the beauty that we have, friends, is that in this time, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus said, I need to go to the Father so I can send the Holy Spirit to you, the blessing that we have is the continual abiding 
presence of the Holy Spirit within us to empower us, to fill us for life and ministry. Lastly, he transforms us into the character of Christ. When I say lastly, it means lastly from my points, not lastly in what the Spirit does, because there's just way too much for the, that the Holy Spirit does to cover in one message or even one series. He transforms us into the character of Christ. As we yield, as we surrender, he does his work to transform us to become like Jesus. More of him and less of us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. This is the sanctifying work of the Spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit not because of his work to make others holy. It's because of the innate nature of God that he is holy. Now, it thereby proceeds that he's able to make others holy, but he's the Holy Spirit because of his nature that he's holy. And so he desires us to follow in that way. As Peter says, be holy for the Lord is holy. And so we follow in that way. So the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. He's our purifier. He's our refiner. There is a continual work of cleansing and sanctification that he is doing in us to make us more like Jesus, right? It's the, uh, Peter says, 1 Peter 1, 2 says, the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, the Spirit who makes you holy. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. How does he do that? Well, one of the things is that he produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. Galatians 5 talks about that. We, we, talked, we had a series a couple years ago, I think it was, about the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces, right? That's what it says here. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Going back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us, transforms us, and changes us, he gives us boldness in our speech to declare the gospel, but he also produces the fruit of the Spirit in us so that when people see love, they say, that's not Daniel. That has to, that's definitely not Daniel. That has to be the Holy Spirit producing that. Oh, look at that joy in Daniel. That's not, that's not Daniel. That has to be the Holy Spirit producing that joy in Daniel, right? When we go through difficulty and hardships and people have a peace that passes all understanding and naturally in the world you would think you'd be so worried and scared, but for some reason you have this amazing peace that God is in control. Well, it's the Holy Spirit that is empowering you and filling you. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. When people witness and see the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, that you are in perfect peace while going through a terrible trial and situation, they will see that's not that person, but that is the Holy Spirit producing these things, making us witnesses. These fruit speak to the witness of Jesus within us. When we reflect his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, gentleness, self-control, especially in situations when we shouldn't be showing those things, how great a witness is that to the empowerment of the Spirit and to the saving work of Jesus Christ, isn't it? If we can show kindness when someone slaps us on one cheek, who gets the glory? Jesus if we can forgive when someone hurts us, when we produce that spirit of gentleness, who gets the glory? It's, it's, it's a witness, it's a testimony of the work of grace in our lives. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Let's go out and be witnesses. Let us be Jesus in the world. Let others see the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience. And you can strive and you can say, well, I want love, I want love, I want love. I need love to be found in me. Well, the moment something happens, well, boom, love goes out the door and anger and hatred come out. Because it's not something we can do in our own striving. It's something that has to be accomplished through the empowerment of the Spirit, filling us, 
transforming us and changing us so that in the most uh, difficult situations, in the hardest situations, what comes out is not Daniel, but Jesus. Because I've allowed the Holy Spirit to change me. Now, I'm not there yet. A lot of times Daniel comes out instead of the Spirit coming out. But that's why I need the Holy Spirit to fill me day by day and transform me. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Let us be the light of the world. Let us be the salt of the earth. Let us be that city set on a hill, witnessing and sharing the love of Jesus. Let him put the words in our mouth that we can speak boldly like the early disciples did and testify of the grace of God, testify of Jesus. A couple of verses down, verse 25, it says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let me encourage you in these days, yield to the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to fill you and empower you. That changes us. He puts to death the sinful nature. That sinful nature that says, I don't want to forgive, he's there to put that to death. The sinful nature that, that wants retaliation, he wants to put that to death. The sinful nature that's envious or jealous, the Holy Spirit wants to put that to death so that the life of Christ can be lived out in us, that the fruit of the Spirit can be born in us. Can you see how important it is for us to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, allow Him to fill us and empower us for life and ministry? Paul prayed this prayer in Ephesians 3. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. A beautiful prayer that Paul is praying here because he knows the truth of spirit empowerment. A beautiful prayer that Paul is praying here because he knows how the Spirit has transformed his own life and how the Spirit has changed him. And so he says, I'm praying the same way for you that out of his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through the Holy Spirit. And if that happens, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So many times our problem is that our roots don't grow down deep into God's love. And that's why we, we react badly. And that's why we say things we shouldn't say. And that's why we do things we shouldn't do. And we falter and fail, and I'm not saying that we'll be perfect, but that's why we have to continue to yield to the Spirit of God. Allow Him to fill us and transform us and change us. Allow Him to put those roots deep into His love. Because out of love comes all these other fruits as well. I want to close with the story of, of William Seymour. William Seymour was, was a young man um, who, long story short, accepted Christ and wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit. And he found a, a, a man, Charles Parham, living in, in Texas that was teaching classes about the Holy Spirit. So William Seymour came and he wanted to, to, to learn more about the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, because he was a black person, an African-American at that time, he wasn't allowed to sit in the class with the others. And so he had to sit outside and they left the window open so that he could hear in as he thirsted and longed to know more about the Holy Spirit. And at times when it was raining, at least they allowed him to sit in the hallway, but he couldn't sit in the same class. And there were times during chapel when they would come to the altar and they would wait and they would ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill them. He couldn't be there for that because then he would be with the other white students. Eventually, Seymour found his way to Los Angeles. And as he started gathering people as an as a African-American pastor in a, in a very racially tense situation in Los Angeles in the early 1900s as he was there and he started to gather people together and they started to meet and they waited and they prayed and they, they asked for the Holy Spirit to come and fill them. And one particular day in 1906, the Holy Spirit just came down and filled people. And the next day he came down and filled people. And the day after he came down and filled people. And the day after that he came down and filled people. And it became known as the Azusa Street Revivals a time when the Holy Spirit came and did some amazing and wonderful things. 
And that movement spawned so many churches worldwide, globally, denominations, and so many other churches. But I want to share one thing that really happened at that time. And I studied this a lot, and I even wrote a paper about this. What happened at the Azusa Street Revivals was very unique for its time and situation. What happened was that there were black people and white people worshiping together. Now for us here at Unionville Alliance Church, and I'm thankful that we're a multicultural church, it's not so strange for us. But at that time and in that situation, that was unheard of. Why would people of other ethnicities come and submit themselves to an African-American pastor? People from all over the world started coming. People from all over the United States started coming. Because the Holy Spirit was falling down and touching hearts and lives and changing hearts and lives. So it didn't matter at that time who was seated beside you. It didn't matter what their ethnicity was. It didn't matter the color of their skin. It didn't matter any of those things. And as we, as we remember Black History Month, this month of February, I think about the specific work that the Holy Spirit did, transforming hearts and lives to bring people together as one. And it was an amazing work of the Spirit. If you ever read about the Azusa Street Revivals, and, you know, there are some things that, yeah, you know, it's a little bit controversial, and we can talk about that later on if you'd like to, uh, right, about some of, those, some of those doctrinal or theological issues, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later. But the amazing thing that I see is that the Spirit just came down and brought people together as one. And I see that in the Word of God that says you are all baptized into one Spirit. You are all baptized into one body. There's no more Greek and Jew. There's no more male and female. There's no more all of these distinctions, but we are all together as one. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that He does is so beautifully seen. For a short season... For a short time there at the Azusa Street Revivals, what was seen and what people experienced was a little taste of heaven. Where one day, as the Word of God says in the book of Revelation, there will be all nations and kindreds and tongues and people before the throne of God worshiping the Lord. And it was seen for a short time there as the Holy Spirit was poured out and people from all walks of life, rich and poor, uh, people from all types of ethnicities and colors and cultures and, and castes and creeds and everything else came together because the Spirit was moving and filling hearts and lives and changing people. Shall we all stand? As we sing, let's invite the Holy Spirit here. Ask the Holy Spirit, as you sing today, and as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, do something new in my life. Let's worship the Lord.